All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, recording Monday night here uh, for our Wednesday, May 3rd episode, episode number 86. Uh, we are fresh coming back off of the NFL draft here. Uh, the guy, the players we've been talking about here for the last about a month and change have finally found some homes and it gives us a little bit more to talk about. So we're going to be going uh, over a quick question today, a little bit of the draft talk. Uh, we got a little bit of news and insiders and headliners to talk about. And then we're going to dive into a, uh, a rookie draft. Uh, I know a lot of you dynasty folks, your dynasty rookie drafts are going to be coming up here shortly. And uh, we're doing our kind of at a first glance uh, rookie draft as we're going through uh, a 12 team two rounder. So uh, we'll get into that, follow it up with uh, Zach's hot take of this episode. So uh, before we get things started here, we'll throw things over to the guys and see how everybody's been doing the last couple of weeks. And then we'll, uh, we'll get started. Uh, we'll start first with Armin. Armin, what's, uh, how's things been going here? I know club basketball is all wrapped up. We talked about that a little bit uh, but with the nice weather. Are you guys getting in and out, out and about there? Or are you just kind of hanging out lately? Oh man, we are outside so much. I think the only time we spent inside yesterday was uh, during Griffin's nap time, which is a rare occurrence nowadays. But uh, with all that outside air, it got him a little bit more tired, which is awesome because a uh, you know, tired kid is a, is a good kid sometimes. <laughs> well, you capitalize on that nap time, eh, there, Arvin? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zach, what about you? Uh, what's been keeping you busy? Well, this weekend, I think Armin and I had very, very different lives. I think the only time I was outside uh, for the, I guess, Thursday and Friday was to was to grab the takeout that I ordered while I was watching the draft. So uh, still favorite time of the year, watching the draft. So I had a good time. You know, I, I watched the draft over playoff hockey and basketball on Thursday night. <laughs> Yeah, Thursday night for sure I was dialed in, but uh, Friday I still watched the draft. As soon as playoff hockey came on, I was a little bit uh, preoccupied, but very much uh, playoff hockey on TV and uh, NFL draft Twitter was on the phone. It was definitely a two-screen weekend, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, actually for the last time we recorded, we kind of hinted at it was going to be coming, but uh, uh, my wife and I, we had our first uh, firstborn. We, it was a week early, uh, so we had it was nice timing that me and my wife got to sit and watch the draft and kind of just hang out and relax and take care of a child. So we weren't kind of going crazy, but you know, a little bit of downtime while he's sleeping, you know, it's easy to sit on the couch and watch TV and, and it was just perfectly time that it happened in the NFL draft. So we're going, going strong. Things are, things are happening. Uh, not a lot of sleep, but uh, things are good, but uh, always, always happy to take a few minutes to obviously talk a little fantasy football here. And, and like I said, recap the uh, NFL draft. So, uh, we're gonna start. I I just got some some news actually. Yeah, a little bit of sad news. Um, Canadian icon, music icon, Gordon Lightfoot died. Oh no way! Like just right now? Wow! My wife just texted me. So, um, he was a great artist, and uh, my condolences to his family if they happen to be uh, fantasy football fans. Yeah, I hadn't hadn't heard that. So that's too bad. Um. We'll, we'll go into our uh, our quick question of the week, and, and this one's going to be like this whole episode is going to be pretty pretty draft-orientated. Uh, but this question is, uh, what's uh, what's one of the biggest takeaways for you coming out of the uh, 2023 NFL draft here? And uh, we'll start things off with Zach. Zach, what's, uh, what's something that you want to take away from, uh, from the draft? Well, I don't know if it's a takeaway as much as it is just a, a reinforced message. Um but what's good for the NFL isn't always going to be good for fantasy football. And I think we see this year after year where after the draft, um, there's plenty of discussion and, and arguments about the players that survived um, incoming rookies or, or rookies that landed in, in really difficult fantasy positions. And, and this year is no different. We saw uh, Zach Charbonnet who, I know the two of you really, really liked. Um, and I think both of you were kind of split between him and Gibbs as your RB2 um, land in a, in a very frustrating position uh, in Seattle. Um, we saw Marvin Mims, who a lot of people thought might be a, a top five, top seven uh, rookie wide receiver, uh, land in Denver in a very crowded uh, wide receiver room. And then uh, Denzel Washington, who 
I know you liked quite a bit, uh, Jordan. Um, he fell quite a bit down to the end of the third round. Um, but it, it kind of came out in the wash that there was some uh, medical concerns with his uh, lower body. Uh, but still, Denzel Washington, who uh, some people thought might sneak into the end of the first round uh, prior to Thursday, but fell down to the third round. And now he's in Pittsburgh where uh, Pat Fryermuth is a is an emerging talent of his own. So uh, what's good for NFL teams as far as building depth and acquiring as much talent on offense as possible isn't always good for fantasy football. Yeah, you uh, you said it pretty well, their frustration. Uh, and there's a couple of years back, I remember, uh, I'm trying to remember which draft year it was. I remember actually it was the second round, and I think it was me and you, Armand, or maybe it was me and, uh, me and Bordon. It might have been all three of us. We were golfing during the, the second and third round. I remember being really, really excited about uh, some players and, and right away looking at where the landing spot was. And he just kept thinking like these players were landing in the same spots and the same players on the same teams that I already had. And it was very frustrating. And for the most part, it wasn't terrible this draft, but some of the bigger names were the ones that were kind of eaten into a little bit, but you know, that's just like you said, like you said, Zach, that's, that's just football. That's just the way it is. But um, Armand, what's uh, what's one of your takeaways? You know, uh, kind of along the same lines as Zach, but, uh, you know, it's uh, we get a reality check every year when it comes to draft season. And as much as we can predict what's going to happen, it's always unpredictable. We don't know what the GMs are thinking. They can be creative, as creative as us and as fantasy football players trying to figure out who should go where and where the best fits are and stuff. And then uh, so that makes it very unpredictable. And then some of them are just utterly uncreative where we think they might be making a grand scheme or something. They end up just picking someone that is uncreative at all. And you're like, hmm, I, I'm not surprised, but yet kind of surprised, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my takeaway is, um, you know, actually, I, I have quite a few takeaways. I'm saving a couple of them for some hot takes, but. Um, the Detroit Lions are swinging for the fences. Uh, like if you watched their draft, there was a lot of head scratcher moments where uh, teams thought maybe, or a lot of uh, fans or, you know, people watching the draft out there reaching for, for a lot of players. And obviously watching the reports that come out after that, there's a lot of teams very interested in certain players at certain spots. So, you know, if you didn't take your shots, you weren't going to get these players kind of thing. Um, and, I, and I was reading interesting tweets where if you kind of took some of the players that were sliding like branch that they ended up getting, in the second where if you put him as their first and then you kind of move some of the players around everybody oh that's an unreal draft you're capitalizing on value but just because they jumped on a player at a certain moment that it was a terrible draft and you know it's an, it an interesting draft and it took time for me to think about it and see the players and fit in the holes and i was actually you know relatively excited about the draft they had um but there's big moves that they made that are either going to set this organization incredibly forward for years to come or going to set them back and in and possibly get some of the uh, some of the head office people uh, fired down the road. Like one of the ones I was looking at was 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 Swift, and obviously as fantasy football people, we know what Swift's capable of. Uh, he's a high aspect um, prospect that could be, even before I guess the this season would have costed you a ton to get, and it would have been a lot of draft capital or young prospects. Uh, but to let him go for a seventh round swap and a fourth round pick next year, which is most likely going to be a compensatory pick. If, uh, if Swift walks in for agency, it'll be probably a fourth round pick, you know, which is what um, the Eagles would get back. So Eagles are essentially getting Swift for free and to let Swift walk, you know, you had the talent and you replace him with Gibbs as a, as a first round pick. These are big moves um, that, you know, easily can, can backfire on teams or can set you forward big time. So um, one of my biggest takeaways was um, just like, it kind of takes a little bit of what Zach's saying and, um, and move, moving the needle a little bit too, but, that's sometimes the way football does things isn't always the way, you know, the, the mock drafts go, the, the, what we have in our mind, like we have these prospects that we really, really like, and then they'll slide down boards and everybody's like, Oh, maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. Or maybe the NFL's not as high as they were the same thing as even NFL, they get it wrong or they get it right. Lots. And you have to take those gambles. Uh, and I'm happy that there's some teams that are willing to take those gambles and not do the safe draft and take just the chalky pick. That's, you know, a very average player, but uh, mock drafts or, or prospects prospect rankings have them in that spot so it's it was very boomer bust for my home team and i've been asked a lot on what i think about you know how the draft went and 
for the most part, I'm actually, uh, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the players we got. Yeah. Do I think some of them were reaches a little bit? Sure. But uh, I, I was over, over well, I was over, overall, I was happy with the draft. Um, moving into uh, some insiders and headliners here. we got a couple things to talk about. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. I'm Ron Burgundy. So a couple to talk about here. Uh, one big signing. Uh, this one happened, I think it was about hours before the NFL draft started. But uh, Lamar Jackson has officially signed his five-year deal with the Ravens. And we put this one out on the uh, on social media a little bit before the draft there and got this news out there because we weren't going to be recording for, for uh, I guess the episode wasn't going to drop for about a week uh, after the signing. But uh, the whole saga, the Lamar Jackson, is he going to stay? Is he going to franchise tag? Is he going to play on the franchise tag? Is he going to hold out his... Is somebody going to offer them, um, you know, uh, an offer sheet? Or are they going to match the offer sheet, et cetera? All this whole hoopla about Lamar Jackson has come to conclusion. Uh, he's going to be sticking around with with uh, the Ravens for five more years. And, uh, you know, those assets um, that were, were up in limbo, you know, obviously recently signed Odell Beckham Jr., Mark Andrews, um, now signing are the draft pick of Zay Flowers. You have these players that now there's a little bit more uh, consistencies and a little sturdy aspect to the, to their fantasy values moving forward. So that's a big one, uh, obviously, the Lamar Jackson signing. And then the trade I talked about, the Swift trade already. And then the last one was the Aaron Rodgers trade as well, kind of a last minute, um, about a day or two before the draft. Aaron Rodgers is finally moving to the Jets. Same thing, the Saga has, has been completed. Um, the Packers in, in return for Rodgers got the 13th overall pick and then it's well draft. So they switched the 15 to the 13. Uh, they got a second round pick, which was pick number 42 in the draft. Uh, they got a seventh round pick this year. And then next year in 2024, they got a conditional second round pick, which if Rodgers plays over 65% of the snaps, it will turn into a first round pick. Um, so obviously one would assume that he's going to play over 65%, obviously uh, shy of injury. Uh, so that's uh, will most likely be a first round pick. And then the Jets received Rogers pick 15, like I mentioned, that 315 swap. And then they also received the fifth round pick, which was pick number 173 in the most recent NFL draft. So uh, two big things that were consuming a lot of our conversations in the offseason was the Lamar uh, signing and then the uh, Rogers trade. And I guess we will ask uh, Zach this one too. Maybe if you have a couple of, if you have um, maybe a thought there too, Armin, we can throw it in, but. Which one do you think is more important for fantasy here? Is it the Aaron Rodgers trade to the Jets or is it Lamar Jackson re-signing with the Ravens? So which of the two you think is the is the biggest deal for us as fantasy managers? Well, I think the easy answer would be would be Aaron Rodgers. Um, because Jackson was he was franchise take. So he was, unless he held out, he was going to be there no matter what for at least one more year. Um but looking at Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers likely isn't anybody's uh, QB one. Um, he's a, a good asset to have in super flex leagues as a, as a QB two. But right now, I think his biggest value is what he brings to the the weapons around him in in New York. Um, look at what Garrett Wilson did this past season with with Zach Wilson. Mike White and whoever else that was at quarterback, and he was still a an outstanding rookie season for him. Um, now with a competent, uh, albeit quirky, quarterback um, in Rodgers, I think the sky's the limit for for him and the rest of the New York offense. Is that kind of where you're at, Armin? Too. Yeah, like the the impact Rodgers has on the guys around him is important. Um, and we didn't really like Lamar. We weren't for sure that he was going to play, but like I was pretty confident that he was. So um, I think, yeah, the Rogers thing is, is better. And also um, you think about it too, like the weapons Rogers had around him last year compared to what he's going to have this year with the jets, extremely better, huge upgrade. So um, not only is, is Rogers getting an upgrade at players, but also the players around him are getting an upgrade it's it's a win-win on both sides for the Jets and Rodgers kind of thing. For sure. Uh, before we get into our, our rookie draft here, 
Uh, so I wanted to say a quick uh, shout out to our sponsor that we have for our Super Bowl party, Fresh Air Experience. I know we talked about them on the podcast a couple episodes ago, but uh, with this sunny weather, weather's looking nice, lots of sun, lots of heat. I think it was like 22 degrees today in Prince Albert. It was gorgeous as could be. Uh, we're getting the itch to head out to the lake. We're getting the itch to get on the bikes. We're getting the itch to do those summer activities. And no better place to find uh, some of those summer activities uh, necessities than Fresh Air Experience. Whether it be camping gear, whether it be a tune-up on your bike, whether you need to buy a new bike. Uh, and we're all three very big disc golf guys. Then you can head down there and get yourself some discs or disc golf, uh, clothing, uh, and you name it. It's, it's, it's that time of year. Uh, and there's no place better to do it here in Prince Albert than uh, Fresh Air Experience. So find your way down there as the weather gets nice and you want to get out there and do those activities. They'll get you set up and whatever whatever it is. You know, my I know my myself, my wife both got bikes down there. We've all got disc golf um, stuff from down there. Uh, their 60-40 sales legendary. Obviously, we missed that one for the for the winter. We, we advertised that, but uh, being able to down there and get uh, whatever it is you need for for the summer season, Fresh Air Experience will hook you up. So find yourself down on Central Ave. Even the new bike shop is even now open. So there's two portions to, to the store open. So uh, you're gonna gonna want to go down there and check that out. Um, now let's do uh, you know let's do our rookie draft here. Uh, for those of you at home, we kept this one pretty simple. Like we could have went to, you know super flex or tight end premium or or whatever uh, whatever have you in some of your home leagues. But uh, just for some consistency sake, we we kept this one easy. Uh, we're going twelve teams, two rounds, a single quarterback, um, half point PPR. That's kind of our standard here for the podcast. Uh, and we just are going to alternate through picks. We go Zach Arm and Jordan, Zach Arm and Jordan, all the way until we finish pick number 24. So we're going to try and keep the short and sweet. We talked about almost all of these players already well in depth uh, an episode or two ago. So we're going to give a light little uh, recap or summation of the player, the landing spot, and why it kind of fits the bill as they would be in this spot. Keep in mind, a lot of our picks maybe aren't consensus. It's just kind of where we're at here at, uh, at a first glance and, and kind of off the cusp of the uh, NFL draft. So without further ado here, Zach, uh, you got the honors of uh, taking the 101 here. And if, uh, I imagine most people listening at home, uh, it's no shock to see that uh, this one might not be a difficult pick, eh, Zach? Yeah, this is the uh, the pick that if you had the 101, you've probably had this in your queue since the end of the season. Uh, I'm taking Bijan Robinson running back for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, even with Tyler Algier there, um, Bijan's the guy. Um, he is the hands-down favorite right now, I think, um, for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, most uh, redraft leagues, you'll, you'll probably see Robinson late first round, early second round. So this makes all the sense in the world in your rookie draft. Um, I think he will be the consensus 101, uh, regardless of the type of league you play, Superflex or 1QB League. And uh, this one was the easiest pick that uh, anybody can make. Armand on the clock, 102. And this is where things get a little bit interesting. I know there was names that were consideration pre-draft, whether it be, uh, you know, Jameer Gibbs, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Some people even had, you know, Addison in the mix. Uh, there was like, we had talked about too, Zach Charbonnet based on possible landing spot. Uh, draft settled here. You're on the clock, 102. Uh, where are you going with this pick, Armand? All right. First off, I want to say rip Algier because I have him in multiple dynasty leagues. <laughs> uh, my my pick, though, at the 102 on landing spot, plus the trade that happened right after the draft, made this one an uh, easy slam dunk for me, um, along with landing spots of other guys. I went with Jamar Gibbs here. Um, you know, he's a really good out of the backfield or catching out of the backfield back. Um, he was drafted 112 by the line. So the, the investment in him, along with that trade of Swift, showing that even a bigger commitment to him is huge. And it was a huge surprise to, I think, all three of us when we saw this happen. Um, but um, I said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again, kind of he's Walker light. Like he's not quite as big as Walker, but he moves like him and um, and he can catch out of the backfield and he should be flying up the draft boards for fantasy this season. Um, great landing spot with uh, with uh, Atlanta. 
and actually almost argued, well, probably a better landing spot than Bijan got even um, because uh, that Detroit offense is, and this is the first time I've ever said it, a good offense. <laughs> Whereas that Atlanta offense is, is not the greatest, but at least Bijan will get a lot of touches with it being a running heavy offense. But, um, and I'm not a huge fan of Monty. That's all that's left for for Gibbs's competition. I think Monty's a bum, to be honest. And uh, Gibbs should have no trouble dominating the backfield touches in Detroit. I'm I'm thinking. I'm not going to talk on every single draft pick here, but this is a fun one. So I was watching watching most of the draft and a lot of draft Twitter and stuff like that, and articles reading after. And there were some fun things that were talking about the Detroit offense of, of him lining up in the backfield and then motioning out into the slot because for for him like there's there's very few I guess there's a couple uh running backs that come to mind that are as good catching a, a prospect as he is where like he can catch just as good as some wide receivers are going to put out in the slot so it can be a lot of fun to put du- uh, dual back backs back there you know Montgomery on one side and him on the other motion him out and you can do a lot of fun things or motioning him out to the into, into the slot and then you run that that almost like a lead with him or you can release him off the lead. And, and oh, it's just, I was looking at some, some mock type plays that Detroit can be looking at, especially with that run first offense and, and everything's kind of coming off layers and, and uh, play action. There can be a lot of fun with, with Gibbs. So I, I'm excited about that pick. And like I said, I'm not going to talk about every single pick, but that's just one that uh, <laughs> I had, I had some two cents to talk about because I've been, di- I've been diving deep in the old Jameer Gibbs, uh, possibilities here for, for I, i'm just praying that he falls to me at 103 in our uh lml draft or, or that i can get the 102 somehow it's pretty likely i think because it's it's gonna be between gibbs and, and smith and jigba who goes 102 103 in, in my opinion post draft and that's kind of where we're at here too you went 102 with gibbs and uh, i'm going 103 with jigba and and that my 103 was easy it was who was I going to get one or two? Like that's kind of where we were at uh, based on everything that's happened, the landing spots. And, and for those of you that are unaware, Smith and Jigba went to Seattle, which is like, hmm, okay, this is Tyler Lockett 2.0, just better. He's better than Tyler Lockett. And, <laughs> and, oh, this is, this is a tough one. Like they have the running game. They took, they have a really good running back. They took another really good running back. Uh, DK Metcalf is a really good wide receiver. Lockett's been sneaky good for the last, what, five, six years. Well, why would they want Jigba? But um, I'm expecting this to be the last season for Tyler Lockett in Seattle. Uh, I can see them going to a lot more three three wide receiver sets. They've been trying to do it uh, quite a bit in the last couple of years. When you look at like the addition of uh, Dwayne Eskridge, uh, was that last two years ago? Correctly, two, two years, years ago, I think. Um, there's names that people were excited about that they're adding that just never stepped up to the plates and were not that addition. So they never had the capability to go into these three wide receiver sets. And obviously with Njigba coming in, uh, he could take over Lockett almost day one. We, we see he's very pro ready and he has that really high, high prospect floor. Um, but then when, when they move on from him, the sky's the limit for him in, in his second year breakout season. So even if he has a little bit of a down year, I wouldn't be too stressed about Njigba just because we know what that capability is. We know what that floor is. Uh, we talked about him at, at, at length in the previous episodes. It's just now we are waiting a landing spot. And I actually think this is a pretty decent landing spot for him. Um, not that Lockett, like Lockett will be his competition and he will surpass Lockett. But I do expect Seattle to go into more three wide receiver sets this upcoming season. Uh, 104 on the clock here, Zach. I think this is kind of where the rubber hits the road for most drafts. I, I would say the, the top three are kind of solidified in whatever order obviously Robinson and then like, we talk about the next two but 104 is kind of where the draft could go uh, many different avenues and and uh, where you're taking us at 104. Yeah I think you could argue that the the first three picks are a, a tier of their own um, those guys are, are probably safe bets to go one two three in whatever order and then yeah at, at 104 uh, kind of like player's choice um, I went with Jordan Addison who is wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Addison has a high college uh, pedigree uh, where he succeeded in two systems and uh, he will potentially replace or exceed the role of Adam Thielen, uh, who is now with the Panthers. Uh, And for the rookie season, um, it's hard to argue that Addison isn't in the best spot of any rookie wide receiver. Um, of course, he's he's kind of capped at what he can do with uh, 
Jefferson ahead of him, but he has a easy pathway to wide receiver two uh, production with very little competition to go against them. And he's paired with a, a very competent quarterback that will, ah. will meet Addison's skill set. Um, Addison is going to do his work uh, near the line of the scrimmage, near the line of scrimmage um, and across the middle. And I think that is likely what Kurt uh, cousin does best. So for me, this was a pretty easy pick. And uh, I, I could argue that the first four picks are a tier of their own given this landing uh, spot for Addison. Yeah, I agree completely with you uh, there, Zach. I, I I really like the landing spot, and obviously I've talked at like how much I like the prospect. Um, Armin, 105 on the clock here. Where are you going? The only thing Kurt Cousin does well is get Justin Jefferson the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Looking like a true Vikings fan over here. Yeah. Um, I went 105. Uh, Zay Flowers, wide receiver for Baltimore now. Um, we saw pre-draft that he is some, some of the fastest feet in the draft here. Great route running ability. He just can turn like crazy, super agile player can get open like, uh, just like crazy, man. So hopefully Baltimore finally did find a weapon to match with Jackson here in the receiving game besides Mark Andrews. Cause they've been trying for a while. Marquess Brown looked good for a bit, but he wasn't exactly what they needed right they needed someone to put up a bit more yardage and not be so boomer bust um and then you know they've signed guys bateman was has had promise but has been so injury prone and stuff like that struggle to find uh, chemistry with jackson so hopefully zay flowers can be be that guy he has an opportunity to become the the one number one receiver in baltimore um and if not uh he'll he'll have some good uh good production i think still even though he he might you know even if he's not necessarily the number one um this is kind of yeah i i get a little bit uh kind of what's left over here and you know in the landing spots i think one could argue, and I would argue that maybe I take this player ahead of uh, Zay Flowers at Armin and mention this because you never know what you're going to get that Baltimore offense or passing offense at least, and they continually add offense weapons. I guess we never really mention it, but apparently Antonio Brown wants to go join the Ravens or has signed with the Ravens. <laughs> yeah, I saw I that uh, there, that but, post. Yeah, I thought once we saw him stripped down in the Jets uh, uh, at the Jets game there, I thought that was going to be the end. But uh, maybe we haven't seen the end of Antonio Brown. But um, I went with Quinton Johnson here at 106. And uh, it was funny right away, Zach put it in the chat and I was thinking the exact same thing. So I had to put in the chat that the, the Chargers have a type and that type is these big body wide receivers, contested catch wide receivers. And to me, like Quinton Johnson is like, it's like Mike Williams. Like they're like two of the same in a sense. Um, so to draft him, it kind of makes sense on who, what they're targeting, who they're targeting, who they're targeting. Um, Boomer bus wide receiver. Um, but with aging Keenan Allen and an always hurt Mike Williams, uh, this is a wide receiver that could step into an immediate role right away. Um, for even if he steps into the as that wide receiver three, uh, this will be a camp battle between him and Josh Palmer as that wide receiver three. And the two of them are going to go toe to toe for that. Uh, Quinton Johnson very well could be with Josh Palmer. I know they're very high on him, but uh, in the time that Palmer was uh, there as the wide receiver two, dealing with injuries. Uh, well, other sorry, well, other wide receivers were dealing with injuries. He didn't really, uh, you know, meet the bar. So uh, Quinton Johnson comes in and will most likely surpass Palmer as the wide receiver three. And you know, with uh, Keenan Allen susceptible to injury, as well as Mike Williams, very very susceptible to injury, uh, could step into a wide receiver two role uh, very very quickly. So uh, high powered offense, big body wide receiver, boomer bust potential. Quinton Johnson, I'll take him at one oh six. One oh seven. There, Zach. Who are you? Uh, who are you going at? I think the way the board has fallen to me, this is a, a bit of a tear break. Also, um, 107, this is the last player um, that I deem worthy of a uh, a top seven pick. Um, and that is Dalton Kincaid, uh, tight end for the Buffalo Bills. Um, the Bills traded up for this pick uh, ahead of the Dallas Cowboys, and they selected the six foot three, 245 pound tight end uh in the lead up to the draft there are plenty of comps 
for Kincaid to Travis Kelsey. Um, and Kincaid can fill several roles in the Buffalo offense, either as a big slot wide receiver or as a tight end. Um, fortunately for him, both roles offer limited competition, and I could easily see Kincaid as a rookie slot in as a top 12 tight end overall. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Kincaid was the number two uh, pass catcher on the Buffalo Bill offense by the end of the season. Uh, all he has to do is surpass uh, Gabe Davis, which isn't a insurmountable feat for somebody like him. He's uh he was a guy that we were all pretty excited about pre-draft and you couldn't have picked a better landing spot. I think if you went down to a for tight end landing spots, it was really much between like Buffalo and Cincinnati, I think were probably two of the best landing spots. And if, if not, I think Buffalo was literally the best landing spot. So um, this one's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I know it's, it's, could be stressful drafting a, a tight end the first round of your rookie drafts, but uh, with somebody with this type of athleticism and this type of potential, it, it's, uh, you know, it, the, the risk reward factor might be there, like Zach said, in that, in that tier break. Um, and like, look at the, sorry to cut you off, look at the next two picks that we're going to have here. I think the next two picks really highlight that tier break uh, because after like the next two picks are not to spoil the show or nothing, but they're going to be quarterbacks. And then, and then after that, it's guys that were like, maybe, maybe not uh, splitting roles, having to wait for a year or two. So I think Kincaid is going to be somebody that near the back end of drafts will be uh, hotly contested. Yeah, and that, Zach, leading into my 108 here is kind of what I was going to say as I lead up to it was looking at the RBs, wide receivers, tight ends that are are left, there is nobody that's in like this guaranteed um, starting position. So then I ended up deciding on going Anthony Richard, QB from Indianapolis now at the 108 here. Um, He's probably going to be the starter day one, if not win it by partway through the season. And if Anthony Richards, he, he's got a lot to develop yet, but if he hits, he is going to hit hard and high. And it's going to be that positional advantage that everybody's looking at for in the QB um, spot in, in fantasy. So when he hits, you can either, if you believe he's going to sustain that fantasy value for a long time, you can keep him and, and not have to worry about your Q position, for hopefully for a while, maybe trade away the Q, your your second backup QB that you probably have in a single QB league uh, after you draft him, or um, after he, he hits, you trade him for a King's Ransom, hopefully, and uh, and somebody bites on, on that unicorn uh, QB. He's huge. He's as big as uh, Derrick Henry and can run faster than him and throws the ball like – it's it's ridiculous what what is possible when you think about it it's just whether or not he is able to put it all together at the nfl level that's uh it's it's a high risk high reward pick kind of the same as what indianapolis took him at 104 it's high risk high reward for the fences man might as well yeah Uh, i'm following that up with another quarterback and most people think oh bryce young he's the 101 but uh, in fantasy football i'm not going to take you know a, a good but average quarterback in the first round I take somebody that I am swinging for the fences and has that high ceiling. And we talked about it that I think CJ Stroud has a, a significantly higher ceiling than, than um, uh, sorry, than what uh, Bryce Young has. I think Bryce Young's going to be a very good NFL quarterback. I just don't know if he has that high ceiling for what the, uh, what fantasy football we're going to need. And I do think that CJ Stroud has that possibility. There's a tier gap of where I'm like, mm, you know, do I want to take Charbonnet? That's a high talent, but in a, in a bad spot, what do I want to do here? Uh, but Houston, uh, I, I, we didn't mention that John Mechie is has officially been cleared for all cancer, so we should see him coming back this season. Who was uh, you know a good draft pick from Houston last year, but I think uh, CJ Stroud is put into a situation that he is going to have every opportunity to succeed. We've seen him been able to throw on the run very very well, and if he can continue doing that, um, getting out of the pocket and scrambling, I mean obviously comparing to Mahomes, that's <laughs> that's a that's a tall task. But we're seeing what Mahomes is capable of doing with rushing platform. When he rolls out there, they have to be true to the throw because he's so good throwing on the run. But then he just scampers for 10 yards just at will. Uh, and if that's something that C.J. Stroud can continue to develop and continue to capitalize on, 
he's going to be a very, very good fantasy asset with a, with a high ceiling. So I'm swinging for the fences here in that tier break with a quarterback. Uh, obviously, this is be a little bit more of an important move with a QB needy team. Um, but uh, I, I do like Stroud a lot, and I'm going to willing to uh, swing for the fences. Uh, Zach, 110, where, uh, where are you taking things? Yeah, so this is where, for me, it gets really, really difficult to project um, the rest of the draft. And I decided to go with Devin Achain. Uh, I believe that is how you pronounce his last name, uh, running back for the Miami Dolphins. Um, he is five foot nine, 185 pounds. And at that size, history is against him. Um, but he does bring a unique speed to the field. Uh, and he will fit right in with the rest of the speedsters in Miami. Uh, he ran a 4-3-2 40-yard dash at the Combine. Um, this weekend, he received day two draft capital, which has been a historical indicator for running back success. Um, oftentimes, the running backs that get draft capital on day one or day two uh, have, for obvious reasons, outproduced the running backs that have gone day three. Um, outside of Robinson and Gibbs, I think that a chain has the easiest path to a consistent workload. Uh, year one, even if he isn't a high volume running back right now, Miami has the likes of Raheem Mostert. Um, and geez, I can't even remember the, uh, the Jeff other Wilson. Guy. yeah, Jeff Wilson. So not exactly, uh, either player that you're putting a lot of faith in and, uh, a chain similar enough to both of those guys. Um, but with that draft capital, I do believe he'll be given every opportunity to succeed. I don't think he's going to be a high volume running back. He only had just over 225 touches last year. Um, but 30 odd of those were, were receptions. So he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Now, this one was one where we were hoping, like, Jameer Gibbs, please go to Miami. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, please go to Miami. Like, this was a premier landing spot for a running back. Uh, High-moving offense. Uh, high, You know, there's a, there's a lot of possibility here with a lot of meat on the bone with, like you mentioned, the names, the running back names that are very aging and injury-prone. There is a, is a high possibility here. So, I, I this was a name that we didn't have necessarily in our top five on the boards before the draft, but it's definitely going to be in the top five of your rookie rookie boards because of draft capital I, I think you said that really well zach okay uh armin take us away here with your uh, 111 pick all right well seen him fall down the draft far enough but uh, i gotta go zach charbonnet now um like we said before i love the player hate the landing spot but mm. one injury to kenneth walker could provide extreme upside because we all know seattle loves to run the ball they like to have a balanced attack and, you know, there is still the possibility that he does have a little bit of standalone value running alongside Kenneth Walker here, um, just because we do know that Seattle does like to run the ball so much. So hopefully the pair of them don't cannibalize each other too much. And both we could have both fantasy relevant RBs like uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt have been over the years. Um, it just sucks because it kind of cuts the ceiling off on both these guys a little bit. Yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> I had a hard time when I was looking at this. I'm kind of glad you took took him because I was looking at my next pick and I was like, don't make me take this pick. Uh, <laughs> I ended up going with Con uh, Kendra Miller here from TCU, uh, weighing at 5'11", 215, uh, age 20.9. Uh, uh, he is a very, very good back coming in from TCU. <clears throat> Played 14 games, 224 attempts, and just one yard shy of 1,400 yards. Uh, and 17 touchdowns for TCU. And uh, the reason I really like Conjure Miller is he's got some standalone value. Um, but obviously with the suspension looming, I think there's uh, an opportunity that he can uh, he can boom here quick. Um, and you know what, like Zach, we were talking about in the group chat, there's a chance that, uh, you know, um, Alvin Kamara might come back with no starting position because uh, he has surpassed um, everybody in the running back room. I know we talked about that we like the um, the Williams – signing obviously coming from Detroit with a, a huge touchdown year but uh, I think this is a it would be a great opportunity for him to 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 run uh, he only had 16 receptions last season for 116 yards which is a bit of an issue but I do like Miller and I do like the landing spot in New Orleans uh moving thanks on. for uh oh sorry 
Uh, thanks for giving me credit for that take, but I think that was was Armand that oh. noted uh, Kamara might come back to a uh, a reserve role. Yeah, so, that was me. Yeah, it, we've seen a step less in Kamara lately. So it was a uh, it was an RB take. I should have assumed it was Armand. That's the last <laughs> Armand butter zone right there. Um, next pick here on the clock. We're moving into the second round at the uh, two hundred one position. Uh, Zach, let's uh, hear who you got. Um, so continuing the tr- the recent trend of uh, just trying to find players in good spots here. Uh, two hundred one. I am taking tight end Sam Laporta of your Detroit Lions. Uh, Laporta is six foot three, two hundred and forty five pounds. Uh, I view him as a well rounded tight end. Um, on a team with very little competition at that tight end spot. Um, think how many times last year you would get a sleeper notification saying that Brock Wright or I think Scott Zilstra scored a touchdown, um, especially after Hawkinson um, left. So we're looking at Laporta, who ran a blazing four five nine. Sorry, four yeah four five nine forty at the combine. Um, he's a talented runner with the ball in his hands, um, and he's really good at catching the ball uh, downfield in contested catch situations. Um, I could see a situation where he could post a similar stat line to uh, Pat Fryermuth's rookie season from two years ago with 60 receptions and 500 yards um, as a rookie. He, It's funny because they come from the same university, but he has a very much potential to be like a George Kittle. Like his after the catch paralysis is unbelievable. And that's one of the things that was super intriguing and why this is like super good landing spot. Like I coming back again to talk about it's the play action <laughs> a ball in hand and upfield, especially those layers and the misdirection and how many targets that tight ends got in the red zone. Like you mentioned, this is a sneaky pick. And for those of you listening at home, I don't know if this is going to be your standard first or sorry, second tight end off the draft board, just because of the hype that Kincaid and Myers both got leading up to the draft. Uh, I can see him falling maybe even to the middle second, but this is a really sneaky pick for you to pay attention, especially if you're tight end needy. Uh, if you're not willing to give up that middle first round draft capital for Kincaid, you might be able to wait to, and get uh, get Laporta later on because um, hot takey here. I think Laporta is going to finish as the number one tight end uh, in the rookie season here. So this is uh, a sneaky pick. Mm-hmm. I was actually a little bit choked that you uh, stole that one from us, Zach. Uh, <laughs> Armand, uh, you're uh, you're leading us here at 202. Who are you taking on this one? All right. At 202, I went Michael My- My- Mayer. Oof tight end for las vegas now um zach taking two tight ends off the board early in a in a rookie dynasty draft here bold and but you know you you gotta love it because there's there's talent at the tight end position this year and i didn't want to miss out at this point so and you got to feel like the person who would be in this position after seeing two tight ends go you start a little bit of a run here um and and you got to take the third one um before before you get left out of the the tight end market in this draft so i like the landing spot of las vegas honestly he's he's not already slotted in espn has austin hooper still in front of him but you got to think um las vegas all these tight ends that are in their uh locker room now are new to the team this year there's no returning. Uh, none of those guys are returning out of OJ Howard, Mayer, and uh, and Hooper. So it's competition right from day one for the starting tight end position in Las Vegas. And we know they use it based on Waller's production over the last few years. So whoever wins it is going to be a good fantasy asset. And hopefully you're, you're drafting Mayer as, as that guy. And if he doesn't win it in his first year, tight ends take a little bit of time to develop. Um, he's like a fine wine and... Uh, you're, you're going to get a good tight end eventually. Um, I'm on the board here, and this one's a bit of a reach for most people, but I think this landing spot uh, is, is sneaky, and I like the potential. And I'm taking the backup or the second running back in Texas, if you're not familiar, to Bijan Robinson tape. Uh, the second running back is uh, Roshan Johnson, and uh, he was a senior coming out of Texas. And obviously, uh, very much behind Bijan Robinson, a generational talent. But from all the stuff I watched, I, I really liked Roshan Johnson and what he put on the field. Uh, played 13 games, 93 attempts for 554 yards, 
still end up getting five touchdowns, 14 receptions for 128 yards. Um, so not a ton of receiving work, but uh, I do think uh, he's a capability in to step in as the RB1 on a decent football team. Uh, Chicago's offense was clicking in all cylinders, obviously mostly rushing from the, from the uh, quarterback position. But uh, that, this was a team that we thought was going to make a big, splashy, either running back accusi- uh, sorry, acquisition for, from free agency or in the draft, and, and they didn't either. So right now it's basically him and uh, the name's escaping me here. Uh, I, got a couple, I got a couple shares of him in Dynasty, but the name's escaping me right now. Herbert? Thank you, uh, Khalil Herbert. And I do like Herbert, but uh, the door's wide open for somebody to just step in and take that, take that role. So um, I do like uh, Johnson here, and uh, that's why I ended up kind of taking a bit of a reach for him at the, uh, at the 203 position. 204, Zach, this is the one where I really contemplated taking this player over uh, Johnson, but uh, uh, I thought maybe it would slide down a little bit further if just out of greed, but uh, you jumped all over him here. So 204, you're on the board. I thought he would slide too, let the record show. <laughs> I, I contemplated taking uh, this player at 201 instead of Laporta, but I thought Laporta had a, a too good of a landing spot to pass up. Um, and this player at 204 is Jonathan Mingo, uh, wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Mingo has ascended uh, significantly over the past several weeks, um, and he really started to pick up steam um, at the beginning of April, uh, as far as what the media and draft Twitter um, was talking about him, uh, Mingo stands at six foot two, two hundred and fifteen pounds, so quite an an imposing target, and somebody that's quite a bit different than what most of the receivers this year offer in size. Um, the downside here for Mingo, I guess, is drafting him is more of an investment. Um, it's likely that'll there'll be several rookie receivers that perform better than him this season. Um, but I think as him and young grow together, he could ascend to near the top of this class in a year or two. Um, right now there are players like DJ Chark, Adam Thieland, uh, even like a Terrence Marshall ahead of him. And I don't know what the opportunities will look like for him as a rookie, but I think give it a year, give it two years. He if everything uh, breaks his way, he might be one of the the top receivers from this draft class. I I wouldn't sell him too short in the fact that like there is still the possibility he ends up the wide receiver one this year in Carolina, as though those other guys aren't necessarily the the alpha receivers that or have been alpha receivers throughout their career. Um, I think I think I would agree for the most part. I I would just add or I would. I would I would say that Adam Thielen and what he brings to the offense, I think is going to be very very beneficial for for Young. Yeah, yeah especially that veteran. You know, he's been around the block. He knows what to do to help out these these uh, young players. Uh, Armin two hundred five on the clock. Um, you might as well stay where you're comfortable, I guess. Here two hundred five. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I didn't love the receivers in this draft class, so I ended up going a little bit running back heavy here. Um, I had two gear guys here queued up for me. I ended up going with the one that I think is going to have a little bit more uh, value as a second string. The other guy's in a clear second string position as well. And he's the guy that Zach picks next. But um, I thought this guy um, has that ability to potentially um, have more touches as a second string. And if there's an injury in front of him, kind of like Zach Charbonnet, it's kind of to the moon for him as well. Not to mention the bonus, he's Canadian. Uh, Chase Brown, running back for Cincinnati here. Um, he he's a very good running back. He can do it all. He's he's quick. He can catch. He can try. He tries to run over guys. He's a little bit smaller, so he doesn't always run over guys. But he he puts his body on the line, and he's a grinder. And that's what you love to see, especially in a second string guy. He's gonna he's gonna be the guy that when when he gets his chance to to touch the ball, he's gonna give it his all. 206, I'm stopping the slide. Uh, I'm going to take Bryce Young, quarterback <laughs> from Carolina. We talked about him lots already with other uh, comparisons to other quarterbacks we drafted, obviously talking about him with uh, Mingo here and then the connections that they're going to create. 
Cool six, I'm comfortable taking, you know, a very good, possibly not great fantasy asset, but a very good quarterback. Like you look at like a Derek Carr handfuls of years ago, I'm trying to even think where he would have been drafted in fantasy drafts. I don't think I was even playing dynasty fantasy football at that point. But uh, uh, those are the guys that, you know, are are really good QB twos uh, with QB one upside based on where their trajectory could go uh, throughout their careers. And I do think that's kind of where Bryce Young fits the mold. He, I think he's going to be very, very good. But I don't think he's going to be great, especially for fantasy football. He's going to be a very good NFL quarterback, not necessarily fantasy football. Uh, but you need quarterbacks on your team. Uh, you need to be able to have those QB twos with with QB one upside guys that can climb the ladder over years. And and in the middle of second, where I'm kind of you know grasping at straws a little bit, I think because that's kind of the spot where where I'm starting to you know be okay to take that uh, take that shot. Actually, I think handful of years back, I think it was the two hundred threes where I got Joe Burrow. So uh, you take those opportunities when when they fall to you. Obviously, a different draft class there, but. Um, Bryce Young, 206. Uh, Zach, 207 here. Uh, where's uh, Where are you going? Yeah, like Armand alluded to uh, a few moments ago, I went with running back uh, Ty J Spears. Uh, now with the with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Spears is 5'10", 190 pounds. And just like Mingo, uh, this is a futures bet. Uh, drafting Spears, you're betting that when they move on from Henry, uh, that being the Tennessee Titans, when they move on from Henry, uh, they'll stick with Spears. And similar to Devin HN, uh, he received day two draft capital, which indicates their belief in him. Um, he'll obviously be limited uh, to his upside until they do move on from Henry. But at this point in the draft, I think the potential is is too good to pass on. And I don't know if there is many players that offer the the talent and the upside that he does this late. Armand, you're following things up here with the, what are we at, 208? Yeah, 208, where are you going? Yeah, I went with uh, Jalen Hyatt, a uh, new receiver for the uh, New York Giants. And he had a productive college career in Tennessee there. And um, he was a name that was getting a lot of buzz around draft time and Going with the Giants, finally started to figure it out with Daniel Jones last year. Get the receiver that's going to grow with him here um, in the next few years. Um, the young young new toy and in, in Jalen Hyatt here. And I watching his film, I was, I I did like like his film. He, he was a pretty good receiver. So uh, not a lot else to say about Hyatt, to be honest. Um. I remember when we were recording and I was like, somebody the Kansas city is going to draft a wide receiver and they're going to fly up draft boards. Well, we're at that point of the draft here uh, talking about uh, Rishi rice uh, wide receiver for the Kansas city chiefs pre-draft um, wasn't incredibly high on him, but as we were obviously some of these other wide receivers um, we, you know, we talked about these perennial, perennial, perennial talents, but this guy tested, it was very, very explosive coming out of SMU uh, 92% explosiveness, uh, 40, uh, or sorry. Yeah. 92 percentile, uh, 95th percentile vertical board, 86th percentile board jump, but a little bit slower 53rd on the speed and 40th in, uh, or sorry, and 52nd in the 40. So explosiveness vertical and broad jump. And some of those, uh, some of those other tests was high, the speed a little bit lower, um, but his stats, he, at SMU this last season, he put up 1,355 yards, which is not an easy feat uh, with 10 touchdowns. Uh, so has decent numbers to go with uh, with some of that athleticism. Putting him in that Kansas City offense, this could be a, a lot of fun with uh, putting in that six foot one, 204-pound uh, wide receiver. So I'm going to take a, a bet on Kansas City and a bet on Patrick Mahomes with uh, with Rishi Rice. Uh, two, two ten, Zach, you finally get to take one of your top five wide receivers here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with my last pick in this, in this mock draft, I go with Josh Downs, uh, wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Josh Downs was five foot nine or is five foot nine, 171 pounds. Uh, going into the draft, he was my pre-draft wide receiver number five, and he did fall lower than I expected. Um, but with that fall came a very uh, interesting landing spot. The The Colts wide receiver room isn't filled with top-end talent, and Downs could find himself playing uh, quite a bit early on, I think. And I will say, if you like Zay Flowers in the first round, I think you'll absolutely love Josh Downs in the second round. 
as they offer a very similar skill set and measurables. And right now, I think Downs will be somebody that in a year or two, we, we might look back both uh, NFL and fantasy football-wise and say, what the heck were we doing? Why did he fall as far as he fell? That's, uh, oh man, happens every year. It happens every year. And there's there's a lot of fantasy people that aren't super high on downs. Um, and, you know, watching tape, it's kind of like, mm, I don't know if I'm kind of seeing what they're seeing, but um, I think for the most part on this podcast, we were definitely high on, on him uh, pre-draft. And, and that's, and that's not a bad landing spot. If, uh, if this Richardson thing pans out, then the Josh Downs is going to pan out, you know, that's just kind of where we're, we're at, but Armin two eleven with two picks left. Uh, where are you going at with your two eleven pick? All right. With my final pick of this draft, I have to go with my guy, my dark horse, Israel Aban- Abanacanda running back for the New York Jets. Now, um, kind of similar to Charbonnet where it's just like, Oh my God, he ended up in just the worst situation ever behind a second year stud RB in Brees Hall. Um, and the difference between him and Charbonnet is at least Seattle put in the investment in Charbonnet and give, giving him a second round draft capital. Whereas Ab- Abanacanda is looking at round five draft capital, which, um, I mean, Alvin Kamara was drafted in the fa- fifth round at least. But so you got to just, with me picking him here, it's a guy that uh, at this point in the draft, I just wanted to pick a guy that pre-draft I was high on that maybe fell a little bit and hope that, uh, hope that NFL, the NFL ends up seeing what he can do and see what I see in him. Um, and you never know with Brees Hall coming back from an ACL, maybe he comes in a little bit slower than we want, or maybe they want to like not bring him in as much. So maybe he gets a few touches there, but, uh, uh, just a terrible landing spot for, for a great, uh, great, uh, prospect. Yeah, he's going to definitely have opportunities if Brees Hall's not ready to go start the season. But uh, wrapping this draft up, I'm going to take Tank Bigsby, uh, running back from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, obviously he's slotting in as the RB2 in this situation. But um, I, I think there's a lot of upside for this Auburn running back uh, this past season. Uh, he put up 970 yards on uh, 179 attempts. The year before that, he put up almost 1,100 yards, 1,099 yards on 223 attempts, which is absolutely bonkers. Uh, and that 2021 season, he put up 21 receptions. This past season, he put up 30 receptions, both uh, getting at 180-plus yards. Uh, he had no touchdowns in the air, but he also had 10 touchdowns on the ground this season and last season. So a really highly touted prospect that didn't test well um in the combine but uh has you know that high high upside and high production from the collegiate level be interesting to see what he can do in the uh in, in the nfl season and on an offense that i'm very high on this upcoming season for the jackson jaguars lots to be excited about uh, i think tank could step into a position where uh you know he might be the goal line back uh six foot flat 210 uh but um but kind of runs a little heavier than he t- uh, weighs in at but uh um, uh, I, I like this, uh, especially at this point in the draft where you, you might be able to step into a running back that can have a huge role on, on a good offense. So that, uh, that'll wrap up our, our two round draft here. Um, kind of going through it. I'll, I'll put it on social media so you can take a look at it too, and we can get your feedback. But uh, before further ado, we'll wrap things up here. We got uh, Zach's ice cold hot take. You're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. I'm on fire. So something that we talk about quite a bit, I think, uh, come draft season, come redraft season, that is in in August and September, is how the tight end landscape is outside of the top three, four, five guys. It's so boomer bust and so inconsistent week to week. Um, And I think that this tight end class could serve as a bit of a turning point in that discussion. I think that this tight end class could be a historically strong class, and we could see upwards of four rookie tight ends finishing within the top 24 this season. Um, In 2021, there were three rookie tight ends 
within the top 24. Pitts uh, at number 7, Fryermuth at 13, and Kemet at 21. Um, this 2023 tight end class uh, will be led by Dalton Kincaid in Buffalo uh, with support from Sam Laporta in Detroit, uh, Michael or yeah, Michael Mayers uh, in Las Vegas, uh, Cole Musgrave in Green Bay, and Luke Shoemaker in Dallas. Um, Shoemaker was drafted higher than what I think most people expected, but given the depth chart in Dallas, he could uh, surprise a lot of people given the fact that there isn't really anybody of note ahead of him. Um, and the top 13 tight ends last season, uh, I didn't include Taysom Hill because his numbers throw uh, every average off, uh, given the fact <laughs> that he had like something silly, like seven receptions, I think. Um, it was all rushing uh, out of the QB position. But so the top 13 uh, tight ends averaged 66 receptions and 745 yards. And really, if you if you take away the, the top guys, you take away Kelsey, you take away Andrews, and that really alters the the numbers for the for the rest of the top number one tight ends. So I think it is very much within a realm of possibility where we could see three, four, five of these guys in that top twenty-four at the position. It's funny, like I could confidently tell you who's probably gonna be in the top five tight ends. And, like, obviously at various spots. You know, the top two are pretty easy. The next three are, I'm going to say, easy enough to pick on who would be the top five. But the next seven after that are a total crapshoot. Like, it's, did you get five touchdowns? Then you're probably a top 12 tight end. Mm-hmm. And, and looking at these numbers, I could see two, like, you said four in the top 24. I could see two being in the top 12. And that would be, like, pretty impressive because we historically don't see really really like superior numbers from rookie tight ends but there's two tight ends that i think could have immediate impact we've talked about that already that's Dalton kincaid and that's uh sam laporta and i think laporta is going to have a better season than kincaid is but uh for us to see two rookie tight ends being in the top 12 i think would be would be spectacular so i think four in the top 24 it would be would be you know like you said a turning of the page uh passing the torch whatever other kind of analogy or or uh you know saying you want to use but um out of the out of the two, there, Zach. Let's just make this spicy. Who do you uh, who do you like more going in the season? I know you took Kincaid before you took Laporta, but rookie season here, who uh, who do you have bigger expectations for? I got to go with Kincaid. Um, I think so much of the of the tight end landscape is is decided based on on uh, on touchdowns, and I think looking at the the offenses for both those teams, uh, I think Buffalo has almost less competition at the skill position, especially when uh, Jameson Williams returns in Detroit. So I want to go with the less potential competition uh, in Buffalo, uh, the better quarterback in Buffalo and the, the better uh, skill profile, the better athleticism, higher draft capital that Kincaid has. Yeah, for sure. Um, anything else to add to this episode, Phils, before we wrap this one up? Man, I'm excited for rookie uh, draft season here in my uh, dynasties. Um, with the way this uh, mock draft went, um, there's a number of players that could be mixed up in a number of different spots. I'm excited to see how everything falls in, in the drafts because it could really be mixed mixed up from even what we're saying today, right? So. It's it's an exciting uh, draft season this year compared to other ones, I think, in recent memory. All I can say is stop telling people about Sam Laporte. I want to get him mid to late <laughs> second. Everybody just keep that one tight to your chest. <laughs> and Mingo, too. Yeah, there we go. There's a few guys we're all pretty high on on this podcast, so we'll ride those ones in the sunset. Maybe we just won't drop this episode until after our Dynasty <laughs> draft. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's going to do it here for episode number uh, number 86 for the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, thanks for listening here. We're, we're getting ready to turn the page away from uh, the, the rookies, and we'll start getting into a little bit of the offseason fun and shenanigans that uh, you're used to hearing here 
uh, on the offseason portion of the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. So, uh, I guess so on behalf of Armin, Zach, myself, uh, thank you very much for listening to episode number 86. Um, so, you guys in two weeks, episode, episode number 87, and uh, expect the game showing a little bit of fun on that one. So, take care, everybody. Talk soon.